Coming up next on the Cultural Connections Podcast, a legislative update for the state of Massachusetts. We'll be joined by Representative Ruth Balzer, state representative for the Middlesex 12th District. This episode is being recorded live on Monday, January 31st, 2022. This is the Cultural Connections Podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Brian Ives, and I am the producer and host of the Cultural Connections Podcast. If you're just tuning in with us right now, we are currently live here on Facebook right now on Monday, January 31st. This episode is being, uh, as I said, recorded live, and it will be distributed later on many other viewing platforms. So therefore, if you have a question while we we are live today. Please feel free to go over to our your, uh, to, onto Facebook and you can comment below on with your question and we'll be sure to do our best at getting your question answered. We are excited to announce today that we'll be doing a Massachusetts State Legislative Update on the podcast today and we're joined by Massachusetts State Representative Ruth Balls are joining me today. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Hi. it's good to see you, Brian, and it's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you again. And again, for those that are watching with us live, this is the Cultural Connections podcast. We are now officially live on the right page after a brief glitch uh, that we are live on Monday, January 31st, 2022 with State Representative Ruth Balser. So let's start off with the first question here with a brief update on the state legislator with some of the current legislation that you've been working on and what's been going on currently. Let's start with the current present up to date. Okay, for sure. Well, uh, uh, just last week, we voted, uh, so I'll talk about what the House did as a whole last week, and then I'll talk about some of the individual things that I'm working on. Perfect. Uh, So last week, we took up the, uh, what we call the Votes Act, and that's uh, uh, really very much consistent with what's happening in the national conversation about voters, voter rights. Uh, We wanted to make permanent some of the changes that we made because of COVID. Uh, As you know, you'll remember, we, um, you know, we had mail-in ballots that were because of the pandemic, but we wanted to make sure some of these changes became permanent because even when there isn't a public health crisis, there are real advantages. And so we made early voting uh, permanent and mail-in voting uh, available. You know, in the past, it was only available if you had a reason you know, to be away. And now we made it for everyone. We moved the vo- voter registration deadline from uh, 20 days before an election to 10 days. We expanded bilingual access to the ballot and to registration. We did a bunch of really important jail-based reforms, uh, making sure that incarcerated people who are eligible to vote would get uh, a hold of their ballot uh, and increase digital access. So uh, this you know, was a big step uh, in terms of voting, voting rights. We wanna make sure that Um, everyone has access to voting. So that was the big news from last week. Um, I'd be happy to just jump into some of my priorities that I'm working on. Absolutely. That would be great. Yeah, let's hear about that right now too. 
Well, this week is a big deal because tomorrow, uh, not tomorrow, uh, the day after tomorrow, February 2nd is a day that in the legislature we call Joint Rule 10 Day. So it's not a day quite as famous as President's Day or Memorial Day, but in the state legislature, it's Joint Rule 10 Day. Joint Rule 10 Day. What Joint Rule what 10, joint rule 10 is, is, um, it's um, the day that the committees are required to um, report out their all the bills that are being considered. So this week, we're all kind of waiting to see, did our priority bills get passed by the committee? So I'll mention some of my priority bills that, that I'm hoping uh, will pass. Uh, one of them, uh, why don't I start with one that has to do with uh, people who have serious substance use disorder, people with serious addiction. Uh, we have a law in Massachusetts uh, called Section 35 that allows a court to um, commit an individual to involuntary treatment if their addiction is so severe that they're in serious risk of harming themselves or others. Uh, and so they can be sent to a program involuntarily by a court. Now, one of the things that concerns me a lot is that Massachusetts is the only state in the nation whose laws allow those people who are involuntarily committed to be sent to a program run in a prison or jail. These are people who have committed no crime. Uh, they've not been charged with any crime. They have just been committed because they are sick. And so um, really they should go to a public health facility. So my the way it works now in Massachusetts is if the public health beds are all full uh, and someone is committed, a man, they can be sent to a program in a prison. And so my legislation would prohibit that. Now I mentioned man because a few years ago we passed legislation to prohibit sending women who were involuntarily committed for treatment to prisons for those programs. And we set up a whole bunch of new public health programs for them. Uh, but that hasn't happened yet for the men. And so I'm really hoping that I find out this week that this bill passed. Now it would just be passing the committee. You'd still have to go on and convince the whole legislature. But um, right. I would like to see these folks who are really ill get treatment in a healthcare facility, not a criminal justice facility. Absolutely. You're 100% agreed. Now, as you had basically just alluded to, and some of your stronger areas that you focus on are mental health and and lately also immigration. Can we, Let's hear a little bit more focused on some of the current legislative work that's going on. Let's start with mental health uh, with some of the because mental health, as we know, is a big topic these days, especially with the COVID-19 pandemic. That's right. It, it really is. And there's so much... Um, you're right, I'm by profession a clinical psychologist. And when I got to the legislature, I started working on mental health public policy a lot. And um, the bill I just mentioned is focused more on addiction. The mental health side of things, I have a number of bills. One of them is an interesting bill. We call it mental health parity implementation. 
uh, because, so let me first say what mental health parity is. Mental health parity means uh, that you would treat mental health conditions in the same way as any other medical conditions, meaning uh, healthcare coverage would be the same. And we have, we've made in the years I've been in the legislature, uh, actually there've been a number of different mental health parity bills that have passed. And also during these years, the federal government, the Congress has passed mental health parity laws. But now what we find is the health plans don't always implement these protections. And so I have a bill that would just set up a system where we could make sure that all the health plans are really implementing these laws the way they are meant to be so that people really get access to their mental health coverage. Um, Absolutely. Another bill like that about mental health, very simple one, you know, there are all these little pieces to the puzzle you have to fit together. So I just mentioned that there are state laws on mental health parity and there are federal laws on mental health parity. Well, depending on what kind of health plan you have, um, the rules are different. That would be that the laws are different, but no one knows. A lot of people don't know what kind of plan they have. So I have a bill that says that on the card, your healthcare insurance card, it would actually say which type of plan you have so you'll know what your benefit options are. Again, to make sure that the consumer who has mental health coverage uh, will make sure to get the services that they're entitled to. There's loads more, but I'm gonna let you say some things. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll continue on with that in just a moment, because I, I think it's such an important topic. But I do want to obviously, again, remind our viewers that are just joining us that we are live here on the Cultural Connections uh, Cultural Connections podcast live on Monday, January 31st, 2021, uh, 2022, not 2021, <laughs> 2022. Um, and if you have a question for our viewer, for if you have a viewer and you have a question for our for our guest today, please feel free to comment here on Facebook. I'm monitoring the Facebook feed off to the side here and we will take your questions. But let's continue on with the topic of mental health because it is such, as I said, and you agreed that it is such an important topic. What, how can we make sure from what you're saying that there are, it seems like that there are people are struggling to find the mental health care that they need. I mean, in this state, it's been a huge issue recently. How can we make sure that their resources are out there? And what is the state doing to make sure that there are more resources available out there? Well, you know, that's a really great question. Uh, one of the things people are very concerned about these days uh, is, uh, you know, our young people, the students have been through a lot these, we've all been through a lot these last two years, but I think the remote learning and, uh, it, you know, has been very hard uh, on uh, young people. So I think there's a lot of concern about wanting to make sure. Uh, one of the things we did recently was we passed a bill uh, to give more money to behavioral health uh, mental health to make sure that students have access to services, to community-based services. Uh, I have, uh, you know, speaking of some of my other bills that are relevant to this, I have a bill about social emotional learning. Um, that's, you know, to make sure the teachers are trained in knowing how to kind of pick up on uh, the distress uh, of their students and how to integrate sort of 
certain kinds of strategies into the classroom to make sure students are supported. Uh, that's another way. Uh, and the budget cycle is coming up soon. We uh, have the state budget debate coming up in the next few months. And uh, one of the things I always advocate for is more funding for mental health services, you know, to make sure uh, that those services are available to people. Absolutely, definitely. Um, recently, as, as it's been known, Mayor Wu of Boston cleared the area known as Mass and Cast. Can you tell our viewers some of the work that's been going on with the state legislator to really help with this issue? It's it, the especially related to addiction, it appears to be, and how the state legislator is helping as well with the city of Boston with this big issue with, that recently was cleared out. Well, yes, it is a big issue. I became, you know, because, uh, you know, the people who were intense at the what they call mass and chaos in that neighborhood in Boston, many of them, well, first of all, they're homeless. That's why they were intense, but many of them suffer from mental illness or addictions or both. And I think part of the dialogue or the debate was do you just, you know, rip down these tents and arrest people? Uh, or do you provide housing and services? Um, the new mayor is uh, doing that, providing housing and services. Uh, but, you know, in the months and time before, uh, it wasn't clear that that was the direction that was going to go in. Uh, I had a concern and I became involved uh, because the sheriff of Suffolk County, um, who's jail is right at that intersection. I mean, he sort of looks out his window and sees those tents. And he said, well, why don't I set up a program in the jail for addiction treatment? And, uh, you know, he had this idea about what he called outstanding warrants. You know, if there were people who had some charge against them at some point, kind of scoop them up and put them in the prison. And he said he was gonna offer programming but as I just mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, I'm very opposed to those pro folks being put into a prison setting. And I spoke out in opposition to his plan, his proposal, and said we should really be setting up public health programs for these folks, as well as housing and not housing in a jail. That's not housing. Right. So um, Fortunately, I think the new mayor came in and her approach seems to be very much uh, consistent with uh, my view, which is, you know, provide what you call low threshold housing, which means provide housing uh, and uh, public health and services and offer mental health and addiction treatment. So that's the direction that's moving in. Um, the legislature wasn't directly involved because the mayor is doing that, but if the legislature were to pass the bill I mentioned earlier, that would give support uh, to making sure that programs are really run from a healthcare perspective and not an arrest and lock them up perspective. Absolutely. No, definitely. And before we switch our gears into immigration, I'm, we have one more question related to mental health. And that is, I was reading a report about legislation that is being considered to allow students two mental health days in a six month time window in the school system. Can you tell us a little bit more about what this legislation is and how will this benefit students? 
So, you know what, to be honest, I didn't, I haven't heard of that bill, but it sounds like a good idea. All right. <laughs> I have a feeling that it's a part, if I had to guess, the Senate did a big mental health bill. And uh -huh. I bet it's part of that. In the meantime, I serve in the House and the House is also working on a big mental health bill. And I think what's going to happen is we're going to have two bills and we're going to put them together because what I am sensing is the legislature as a whole, both the House and the Senate, are really committed to doing something significant, something really ambitious about mental health this session. Well, so I'm going to look for that one and add it to uh, my list. Well, that's great. And that's very important. Uh, now, before we switch gears again, I just want to remind our viewers that are tuning in live that this is the Cultural Connections podcast. We are live on Monday, January 31st, 2022. And we are chatting with State Representative Ruth Balls are talking with a legislative update specifically on topics of mental health and immigration, which is the area where she focuses primarily on. Let's talk now about immigration. And if we were to say the word immigration, or at least if I think about immigration, you think about the national crisis we have in this country. But let's focus more, obviously, because for this purpose, to talk about a, a, a local, more localized into the state of Massachusetts. What are some of the new uh, immigration efforts that the state is taking up right now in the House? Well, I'm really glad that you brought up immigration because it really is a very big uh, issue all across our nation. Um, uh, in, in the state, what I'm concerned about is I want to make sure that the immigrant community in Massachusetts feels safe and welcomed here. You know, um, during the Trump years, there was so much... Um, uh, well, how can I put it? You know, well, you know what it was like. I mean, the former president, you know, really said uh, terrible things about immigrants and had some terrible policies about immigration. And that reverberated all over the country. And I have felt during those, I starting during those years to want to push back and say, wait a second, the immigrant community, you know, we value the immigrant community here in Massachusetts. Uh, and now there's a new administration in Washington that uh, has talked about wanting to find a pathway to citizenship for people, all the 11 million across the country who don't have documentation. Uh, now that may or may not be able to get through Congress, but at least there's a, the conversation has changed. So back to Massachusetts, uh, what I was um, concerned with is that federal immigration authorities um, you know, uh, during the Trump years, but it hasn't stopped, you know, do a lot of deportations. And that is terribly frightening uh, to people. Uh, many in the immigrant community have someone in their network, some member of their family or close to them who maybe don't have uh, papers, immigration papers. And so all of them become very uh, frightened. Um, and just to give you some examples of why it's important to all of us during, co you know, we're still during COVID, but all during COVID, a lot of doctors stepped forward and said, you know, people in the immigrant community aren't coming for healthcare for the, for COVID. They're not coming for testing and then maybe not even the vaccine uh, later because of a fear that someone will ask for your papers or where are you from? 
Uh, we also heard from survivors of domestic violence that um, a husband or a boyfriend, you know, perpetrator might threaten someone in the family, you know, if you go to the police, we're gonna have you deported. So there are lots of reasons why I think and many others think that we should make it clear to the immigrants in Massachusetts that state and local authorities are not gonna participate in immigration enforcement. So it's not in the, you know, it's clear that immigration enforcement is a federal responsibility. It's not a state or local responsibility. So right. I'm, the, I'm the lead house sponsor of a bill we call the Safe Communities Act, which all it says is what I just said, which is that the, police, the local authorities, the local and state authorities are not required to participate in immigration uh, enforcement. And that way people in the immigrant community won't feel so afraid of their local authorities they'll be able to go for healthcare. They'll be able to call the police if they need help or if they're a victim of a crime or they're a witness to a crime. Uh, we want people in the immigrant community to trust our local authorities. So that's why I'm working really hard to get the Safe Communities Act passed. And what I wanna mention is there's a lot of people in law enforcement, a lot of police chiefs, district attorneys who support this because they say they want the community to trust them and they have enough on their plate. They don't wanna take on federal immigration enforcement. So it's something that uh, the medical community, much of the medical community supports, much of the law enforcement community supports. Um, there's no violation of federal law. It would just say that local and state authorities don't participate in immigration enforcement and it's a way of saying to the immigrants in our state that we welcome you and we want you to feel safe. I think that's very important. Uh, continuing on with the topic of immigration, which again is a big issue around the country. How, I, I think one of the big things too is relation is finding housing. I mean, is with when immigrants come here is how is that big issue on housing? I know a lot of that here in, in the Newton area where we broadcast from is an issue. How do we? How do we control our housing? I mean, situation to for the for an in, for the influx that we see of immigrants that continue obviously to come to to come here. That's a great question, and I should mention in this context, um, I was very involved in advocating for money to be spent uh, by the state for to help the Afghan refugees settle here. And what we did was we took the ARPA money, that's the American Rescue Plan Act money that you know President mm -hmm. Biden and the Congress sent to all the states. And we were successful and had $12 million appropriated. And part of it will be to help with how, I mean, it's good you mentioned the housing because this money will go to the resettlement agencies who are helping, who are welcoming more than a thousand Afghan refugees this year. Uh, and can help them with housing and services and getting their health insurance. Uh, you're right. I mean, the housing is a crisis for, of course, not just for immigrants. Right. Uh, Massachusetts has such a high cost of living uh, and there's such a shortage of affordable housing. Uh, so that's a big, a big issue. Uh, the other issue though, how this relates to immigration, I should mention is, you know, everyone's been talking about the crisis in the workforce and how 
you know, there's shortages in so many different areas of our economy. And one thing that always amazes me is why are we setting such tight limits on immigration when we have a, a workforce shortage? Uh, you know, we should welcome more immigrants, uh, but you're right, we have to make sure if they come to Massachusetts that they can afford the housing. Um, and of course, we have to improve our transportation system too, so people can get from right. their to their jobs. Uh, that's, that's a big part to it as well. Uh, in addition with immigration, let's talk about additional legislation that is being worked on besides what you just mentioned for immigrants. What other legislation is out there right now for, for, that's going about the House uh, for legislation for immigrants? Oh, well, for immigrants, the other, so there are two big bills. One is the Safe Communities Act. The other one is the driver's license bill that would allow people to get driver's licenses without showing their immigration status. Uh, really, this is a very important thing because if, uh, if you don't have a driver's license, you can't get to work, you know, and or anywhere or get your kids to school. And uh, this is a big impediment that we require uh, proof of, you know, documentation of status, immigration status. So uh, passing a bill that would just remove that question uh, from, because it's really not relevant. I mean, a lot of, uh, talk about law enforcement, a lot, a lot of police chiefs are in favor of this driver's license bill because, you know, who wants to get into an accident with someone, you know, who doesn't have a license or insurance? Right. And, uh, so it's kind of in all of our interests uh, also for, to, for the driver's license bill. So I support both of those. And to clarify with, and how will this bill, will, how, would that, how would that bill work? How would that the one you were just mentioning in terms of driver's license, how, does that make, makes, go ahead. Yeah, it would just remove the requirement that someone show proof of citizenship I or think. of, you know, permanent residency. Uh, I, let's jump back for just the last few minutes that we have, because we're running down to our last few minutes already into talking about, I guess, let's come, I mean, talk about how with the, the COVID-19 pandemic and the issue, I want to jump back to that because I think that's such a big thing here. With mental health, there's so much to it. It could be a discussion for hours and hours if we really wanted to, but we'll, we won't be doing that today. Uh, but let, let's talk about the fact here of some of the additional initiative, making sure that like there are more, getting the resources out there that uh, people I should know about for getting help with mental health, which is, I think, a big thing in this state. Really, and let, let's focus actually for the moment on addiction with that. Let's start in, in that area and then move forward. What What is the, how do we, what, what is the state, how is the state, what additional steps are the state legislator doing to well, combat this addiction issue? Yeah, well, we want to make sure that there are the services available. One of the things about um, addiction, you know, a lot of times people focus on the hospital beds, you know, and that you need so someone can detox, let's say. But it's that's just one step in the process of recovery. Uh, it, we need more residential programs, uh, more um, day programs, more, you know, I started out by talking about involuntary commitment, but a lot of people feel that we wouldn't need to commit people a lot of times if there was just more services available. A lot of times uh, a family member 
let's say a parent, you know, commit, uh, asks for a commitment because they can't get their, often an adult child, the help. So it's really a matter of making sure that in our budget that we sufficiently fund the entire continuum of services, uh, the inpatient beds for detox the and what we call the step-down services, uh, outpatient services, uh, but also residential. Uh, so a lot of that really comes down to funds, I mean, to money, to making sure right. that money in the budget. The vote, I should mention, voting on the state budget is really kind of the biggest thing we do every year. Um, and going into this budget, you know, we have more money than we have had sometimes before. And a lot of that's because of the federal assistance. And or, as I mentioned, a lot of that federal money has already gone to behavioral health, meaning mental health and addictions. But I'm hoping as we go into this budget session that we keep stepping that up. Okay, well, we have about a minute or so left. So we're going to start to slowly wrap up. But beforehand, again, I just want to remind one more time all of our viewers that this is the Cultural Connections podcast. We are live on Monday, January 31st, 2022. Uh, and we are live with State Representative Ruth Balzer on Facebook. And if you have a question within the last minute or so that we are here, please feel free to comment below with your question. Um, so my my one of my final questions in here to you is, let's look ahead to the future. What, what if, you, if we're to think about what, I mean, after the budget season is over, what is next on the, what comes next for the state legislator? Well, uh, the big, one of the big, you know, uh, we haven't even touched on, but should just mention is the climate crisis. Right. Uh, the, you know, the, uh, uh, the climate crisis is real and the legislature is very committed. We last year passed a big climate bill, but I'm hopeful that we will do more. Uh, in climate. Uh, I have a bill that has passed the House that I'm hoping will pass the Senate uh, called the Public Lands Preservation Act that would protect our public parks. Uh, I think, uh, you know, our public parks are so important, both in terms of climate, but also one of the things we saw during COVID was how much we need those parks. So I'm hoping mm -hmm. to see that get done. Um, and I should just mention uh, one thing, it, although this is looking past rather than forward, but just a month ago, we passed a very important bill that I didn't mention. It's worth mentioning, which is the Genocide Education Act, uh, which is a bill that um, requires genocide to be taught in our schools. And I think, you know, you know, we all, there's a famous saying that if we don't learn from history, you know, we're doomed to repeat it. And I think there's so much concern about some of the threats, uh, the rise in anti-Semitism, racism, uh, other forms of bigotry. Uh, and I think it was great that the legislature as a whole said, you know, we want to educate our young people about this to, you know, to prevent uh, those kinds of actions. Absolutely. No, I think that's very important. And I'm glad that you brought that up. Well, it's hard to, to think that a half an hour can go by just like that so quickly. And I want to thank again Ruth Balzer, State Representative Balzer, for joining us today on the Cultural Connections podcast. 
Uh, if you have questions or comments that you would like uh, that you have that you did not get answered today on the podcast, please feel free to email me directly at brianives at gmail.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-I-V as in Victor, E-S at gmail.com. Also use that same email address if you have suggestions for future episodes of the podcast. Uh, we hope to uh, bring Ruth back again in the near future to hear more about what's going on at the state level later on and hopefully hear that more of these uh, really exciting initiatives that have just been mentioned get passed. And hopefully that's what we'll be hearing on the next time you come, if you when you join us, if you join us again. For now, I want to thank everyone at that for joining us today on the Cultural Connections podcast. My name is Brian Ives and I'm the producer and host of the Cultural Connections podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Thank you again for watching this episode of the Cultural Connections podcast. For more information on today's episode, be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch this episode again in its entirety on our YouTube channel. This podcast is also available on listening platforms Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Breaker, Radio Public, and New TV. Thanks again for watching this episode of the Cultural Connections Podcast.